Hello, and welcome to Dear Patriarchy Podcast. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. No last name. No last name. So uh, for those of you who have seen When Harry Met Sally, there's a line about, not Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) Oh. What's the name? What's the actress's name? She says to Meg Ryan, it's like a, it's a generation. Why don't they say their last name? It's like a generation of cocktail waitresses. What is Princess Leia's name? Carrie Fisher. Sorry, I didn't know who you were talking about. I know. It's super (laughs) random. I was like in my own like polar vortex of the brain. Anyway, so Carrie Fisher, RIP, amazing woman. Yeah. when she says that line, like, I just think about it sometimes. And so I asked Lisa today, why aren't we saying our last names, even though I know the answer? And she and I both kind of have charged relationships with our last names. I have a very charged relationship with my maiden name. And Lisa is... I got the same problem. We, sh- so we share we that situation. And then with my married last name, there is some tension there too. So not because I don't love my husband and my partner, but because I just can do whatever I want. And I don't want to say my last name. So... Okay. Hey. Dealt with that one. Bing yeah, bang. Really, really cleanly as well. <laughs> <laughs> Super succinct and eloquent. So, Not a song in sight. So efficient. So I know we've done a ton of episodes on the overwhelm, the anxiety, the burnout of this time. And then yesterday on our story, I posted... A little blip that said, uh, it was by Jenny Jaff. Why am I feeling anxious for no reason? She thought to herself almost a year into the ongoing deadly global pandemic, 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 which completely upended life as she knew it. And it just got me kind of thinking about how the mental load has taken such a toll on our mental health and how, you know, we've talked in some of the episodes about like, self-care and not watching the news and all these different ways of kind of handling this situation. I just kind of wanted to like, just kind of in a more concrete way. So just be very careful of your mental health at this time. You're not alone. Everyone's facing such a huge, hard time. I have friends who are moving families back in with their parents. I have friends who don't know how they're going to make it from like this week to the next with finances because they there are no jobs in some places with everything that's going on like it's a very very heavy time and I realized last week that I I was kind of ping-ponging between caring for myself but then also having really unhealthy behavior when I I either I feed myself when I'm stressed like I will either but it's like feast or famine so I'll either starve myself or feed the hell out of myself or I'll like quit drinking for the week or I'll drink all of the drinks for the week in the one night. And so I realized that I have PTSD that stems from some uh, childhood sexual trauma that I am a survivor of. And I realized that my PTSD had been triggered by all of the shit that's gone on this past year, in addition to probably having the worst postpartum depression, anxiety that I had with any of my children, just because everything, you know, I mean, I don't have to explain it. Everyone's in the same boat. And so I'm taking steps to be a lot more healthy. I know that my you know, my sexual trauma was triggered in the beginning of the Trump administration by his grabbing by the pussy comments and the fact that there were no consequences for that. And then you've got all of the rape trials and people being murdered across the country simply because of the color of their skin by people that are supposed to serve and protect us. So many things are are causing us to become so anxiety ridden on top of being forced to be in a box because we're 
stuck in our homes. So I just want to say, like, have some grace with yourself. Give yourself some space. Do things for yourself that are healthy. I am going to start with a therapist, which I probably should have done months ago, but I didn't think I could afford it. And now I'm going to kind of overextend myself a little bit financially because I know that I need it so badly. If you're feeling lost, if you're feeling like you don't have a direction and you're just kind of feeling like you have lost yourself, another really good exercise that a mentor told me once was she says every six months she sits down and she writes out her timeline. She writes out all of the defining moments of her life that she has overcome or things that are feeling especially heavily heavy on her heart at that time in kind of the story of her life. And I think any time that you do that and you see all the things that you've overcome or you see all the things that are kind of like pulling you down, just acknowledging those to yourself or maybe in a public way, you could share it with friends and family, just kind of helps get you back to a stasis where like you're at least acknowledging all of the heavy things on your plate from your past or acknowledging all the things that you've accomplished that you've survived to get you up into this point. So I know I took a really hard left, Lisa, that you weren't expecting, but um, but I just, I just feel like my mental health has been tenuous at best lately. And um, I had kind of thought that once, you know, the administration changed or just, we got into the new year or numbers kind of started to go down that I would feel better, but it's going to take a lot of work to get out of, I think, the hole that we have all been thrust into. Yes. I think we were all hoping for a quick fix, but, you know, the, the smarter part of ourselves knows that all of this stuff is trauma and it takes time to process it fully through your system and then get rid of it, you know, let yeah. it leave your body. Absolutely. And so then one other piece of um, housekeeping I want to deal with, I just want to quickly mention, I know that in the last episode we talked about religion and we kind of laughingly, like Lisa was saying, Ephesians and like just all of, we, we went through a list of like how a godly woman keeps her husband or whatever the hell that list was called. And we laughed about it. And I can understand where if you are a deep religious, deeply religious person that could have offended you. And I just want to say like the reason that that list is problematic there are so many reasons, but one of the things is that the list about how women keep their husbands, how women keep their men, and how women shouldn't do these things, like where's the man in the situation? A relationship is a partnership. I don't believe that either party in a relationship should ever be submissive to the other. It's a partnership and you need to work together in any relationship to support your family or your life and to be a part of any type of outdated bullshit that seeks to make women smaller just so men can feel bigger. Like we don't want any part of that and that is where our issue lies with the religious thing and that list also that list makes women responsible for the way men behave towards them like it makes women not just their behavior but how they feel about themselves like yeah go ahead no i was gonna say i i rewatched some hannah gadsby the other day and Mm. um in her new one she says that statement, boys will be boys, is potent because in society we don't raise our boys to be men. We allow them to be perpetual children. And yet right. we ask women to be so mature from such a young age. You right. know, a seven-year-old girl's wearing short shorts and you say, she's too young to wear shorts like that. Well, right. if she's too young to wear shorts like that, you're too young to be sexualizing her wearing those shorts, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And if uh-huh. there's a man in the house and the girl has to go and put a long sleeve shirt on because there's a man coming, that man's not safe to be in the house then. If he can't yeah, be he should a never be anywhere near girl yeah. or whatever, and she's got to put more clothes on to protect herself from his behavior. So who is the child? Right. Right. And that also puts the onus on the girl. Like you have to do this for yourself to protect you from this person. Because I'm not, 
going to protect you. No. Nope. I'm not going to say, fuck, no, <laughs> this person cannot come into the house. Yeah. This questionable person who we know we can't let them see any of your skin. Mm-hmm. It's too big of a gross. temptation. Gross. It's well, so gross. And we, and we internalize so much of that and we act like it's so normal. I don't spend loads of time on TikTok, but there are a lot of different, like, tell me something that seems like a cult that you never realized before. Or like things like that, right? And I think there's this thing in my head, like, tell me you're in a deeply over-sexualized society with patriarchal structures in it without telling me. And then you just see like a seven-year-old girl being told to put clothes on because there's men coming into the house, you know? Or an an elementary schooler not being able to wear spaghetti straps. Yes. Yeah, because it's too distracting for the boys. So instead of the boys exercising Or yoga pants or like any of the shit. And we don't ask those boys to exercise control over their hormones and over their carnal urges, which women have as well. And we're being told from a very young age that we have to control everything about us. But, I remember... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but but boys are allowed to let themselves be boys. They're allowed to let that define them. They mm-hmm. don't have to age. They don't have to mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when uh, we used to get sent to church camp, like one of the first days they would sit, the girls, they would sit us all down and like part of the lecture of like how we were going to behave was that girls... And they would say this in front of the boys, like, girls, make sure that you're dressed appropriately because you don't want to cause your Christian brothers to stumble. Yeah. Which, oh, it's so holy shit. Oh, my God. But, yeah. 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 So bad. So anyway, and now, and like, I saw a post the other, I think I actually put it on our stories, but uh, someone had written, oh, elementary school staff, you're telling me that you can't make a kid wear a mask, but I had to go home when I was 10 because I wore spaghetti straps. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fucking nuts. Yeah, it is fucking nuts. I agree. So, okay. okay. And then... Oh, and then another thing oh about God. the religion. I'm so sorry. But another thing about, No, I got a whole list of shit. I'm like, I'm so fucking pumped. Anyway, so another one of the issues that I have with that list is, and with uh, modern Christianity, well, Christianity in general, is that the the reason that Christianity exists because Jesus came and died for your sins, theoretically, and rose from the dead to set you free from the law of the Old Testament. However, all of these verses that are launched at women to put them in a box, to make them smaller, to keep them submissive are from the Old Testament. So why is it that only men are set free from the law because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ when women don't enjoy that same privilege? If we are set free from the law of the Old Testament because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is what you believe, and you are a Christian in a biblical sense, then maybe try to figure out why it is that you have to use Old Testament law, Old Testament rhetoric to tell me how to be a good wife, to tell me how to stay in my box. Because if men don't have to stay in their box because they've been set free, then that same thing applies to me. Because Jesus didn't just die for men, he died for women, if you believe that. Anyway, so that's what I've got for mental health and religion. And then today in my spin class, the teacher said, after he'd made us do a particularly torturous run, said, how many of you have been told no? How many of you have been denied your dream of something you wanted so bad and someone told you no? And then he said, how many of you quit at that point? Because you don't quit. So if you really want those dreams, if they're really the things that give you your passion, that keep you charging through the world, if you quit, 
when you hear the word no, you're just proving them right. And I felt like that led us very nicely into what we wanted to talk about today. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we got something to talk about today. (laughs) So we have spoken several times about having written a book, which is something that we're really proud of. We've worked on it a long time. It's been several years in the making and it's a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat and tears that we've put into it because we also have families and paid work and other things to balance while we try and write, rewrite, edit, all of that stuff. So in this last week, we've managed to finally put together a proper book proposal, which is a bit of a lump, and we've sent it out. Now... You have, and you've done an amazing job. Yeah, and I thank you very am much. so thankful. <laughs> thank you. We've sent it out to a couple of people. Um, we've sent it out to eight. No, six. Same thing. Yep. So, six, <laughs> six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we sent, it, we sent it out to six people. And we got really lucky in the fact that two people responded nearly immediately, which is a huge um, compliment, and it's something that means a lot to us. Now, one was asking for more information. The other was from the only man that we sent our book proposal to. Now, because we were never going to send, I I think without saying it, without saying it, Jenny and I were never going to submit this book to a man because we know in our heart of hearts that this is a book that is deeply, it's, it's not problematic. It's deeply triggering for men because we talk about the things that women go through on sort of every level in both the corporate world and and how that corporate world impacts on our greater world, our social construct. So it's not an easy read if you're a man, especially if you're a white man. So imagine our surprise when we were directed to submit to a white man. At a very large agency. At a very, yeah, at an amazing London agency. And he replied pretty much immediately. Now... I'm and he said say his name and I'm definitely not going to read verbatim what he yeah. what he what he said to us because I don't I don't want to get spiteful I don't want to get petty but the things that he said and the way that it triggered both of us differently I thought was really important so first of all He says he likes what we did, which is great. That's a very great compliment. We really appreciate it. But for him, it wasn't something that he could see moving forward as being relevant because it's based on the corporate environment and he doesn't see how the corporate world is going to stay the same moving forward. Now, I just want to break that idea down. So for him, for a white man, he is saying that because of what's happened with COVID and the way that the workplace has been disrupted, he believes that that disruption is somehow going to magically alleviate the systemic issues of racism, of misogyny, of prejudice, of trans and queer phobia, of ableism, like all of that stuff. It's it's magically going to go away because the corporate world no longer exists the way that it used to. Well, that's that's you making an assumption about you're making an assumption of what he thinks is going to happen. I, uh, you know, I he did say even though this has dispropor- disproportionately affected women. Yeah. Okay. All I was going to say was that was that was what I took from it was it <laughs> felt very sort of like oh we don't know if these if these little problems that you're talking about will actually be problems <laughs> even though he felt really. Like he was in the right place saying that. We do know we're already seeing women lose out purpo- disproportionately. Oh, okay, so that's fine. So he's put the little panacea on top of that. But so he also has said to take that box. Yeah. Yeah. But he also has said, I understand the corporate marketplace more than you do. Yeah. So I'm going to say, let's hold off here and see what happens. But the thing is, our book doesn't say, step one, Mary Sue. 
walk into your cubicle in yeah. your brick and mortar yeah. office with your mask on. Don't go to and the tea point. Stay away from the kitchen. Don't. I don't even know what a tea point is, but it's yeah. You make so yeah, I'm not, yeah. So that I mean, that's one thing that that like as I've kind of grown in my indignation towards what he wrote, like has you yeah. know yeah. And so anyway, and then and then secondly, he says this is the kind of book I I'd be interested in. <laughs> yeah, and then he gives us he gives us things that like are not more, our book. Be more radical, tear the entire system down. Which is, in a way, the book is is talking about those things on an individual level because we're speaking to people on an individual right. level, right? But for him, that wasn't the book that that he'd personally be interested in. Right. And when Jenny and I read this, because I was on a training course when we got it back, and Jenny, you were at home with the kids, and mm-hmm. you had texted me saying, "Are you okay?" Which I was like, "Oh, great, someone wrote back." <laughs> Let me just check that while I'm on my training course. And we both had really different reactions. So my first thing was to kick in like, oh, he's been really kind to us to give us his time. My, yeah, to respond my, to us at all. Oh my goodness. To speak to us even at all. My conditioning really kicked in that aren't we so lucky? We should be so grateful. Like, yes, he's telling us this. And even in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe that is the better book. The yeah. book with no, the radical exactly. way. <laughs> I totally thinking, went oh, to that. I'm like, I'm like, okay, how do we write this book? Yeah. Because <laughs> he wrote thesis driven. And I was like, okay, Lisa will know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do we yeah, write yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Not that I don't know what a fucking thesis is, I but know. you know what I mean. I know, but it was so funny to kind of feel that. And like I said, well, at least he was kind. And Jenny was like, he was not kind. He was he was seriously patronizing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, no, actually, you're right. And it was such a process of like, the first thing that kicked up for me was like just this intense self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So very much like your guy said, your instructor said in your cycle class was how many people have told you no. So this person told us no. This man told us no. And no is fine. I'm fine mm-hmm. with his no. Because he was never going to be the person that we were going to hang our hat on. We're no, and it was a stretch for it to be like a business book anyway. Oh my God, yeah. So, so. that's fine. But the self-doubt that came after that, and Jenny, I know that it hit you too, because we mm-hmm. had to regroup like three or four hours later and go, right, fuck this. I'm not going to feel this way. Yeah. I'm not going to let this email make me feel like what we've done is not worthwhile because we love our book. We love what we talk about. What we talk about in the podcast is actually taken from the book. So this podcast and the topic. Oh, he gave us permission. About. Oh, yes. He did give us permission to carry on <laughs> with the podcast. He said your, he basically <laughs> said your little podcast is a great place for you to continue giving advice. Yeah, keep tackling those issues and offering advice from there. That's good. Mm-hmm. Stay there, which is mm-hmm. fine. We will, with his permission, carry on. So <laughs> welcome to our first podcast after receiving his permission. I hope it's got more sparkle on it. Um, but it was just, our, our our book is a collection of the things that we talk about in the podcast anyway. Yeah. So it yep. is, the book is the podcast is the podcast is the book, right? But so the book is a survival guide for women who are yes. in the corporate space, dealing with all the things that you deal with on your own in a fucking vacuum because you're being gaslit and being told, don't talk about your salary. Don't talk about your job description. Don't talk about these things. It isn't polite. Is it, it you know, do this in polite company. Don't talk about sexual harassment. Don't do any of these things except in the void of the proper channels to address them, Yeah, which isolates people in a time when they're already so 
fucking isolated. So if, if anything, this book is more necessary. And once again, we started this book because we were feeling both feeling so overwhelmed in our professional lives with the torrent of bullshit that we had to withstand by ourselves. And it came to a head because when I reported my sexual harassment situation, I was so alone and I couldn't find any resources of like, right, this is what's going to happen to you when you report sexual harassment. These are the things like you're going to go to HR. And I got like, I could find the procedural situation of like how you should deal with it, but not like the actual personal mental and emotional load that comes from that. Mm. That's not going to fucking change. Guys are going to say shitty things to ladies. Ladies are going to say shitty things to ladies. Folks in the workplace are going to say shitty things to each other still. Yeah. Because maybe they forgot to put themselves on mute. There's a lot of fun stories about that shit if you want to look it up. It's no, still happening. Right. And I think that was the thing that was probably the most frustrating that kept coming back to me was that idea that things that we're talking about that systemic biases uh and systemic racism and systemic prejudice that are built into the corporate system and that only get stronger every day because they get reinforced every day. And it doesn't right. matter if you're reinforcing that on a Zoom when you speak over a woman or you still crack really, really racist, prejudiced, whatever sexist jokes because mm-hmm. you're on a team Zoom and everyone's there to have a drink and have a good time. That doesn't change. Yep. It doesn't change that you get told that you can't take a joke if someone talks about their dick on a fucking Zoom call, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever, you yeah. know? So those things don't change. So I, I find I find that view. I don't know if that is the level of oblivious privilege that he is able to carry, that he thinks that a global pandemic as life-changing and as world-shaping as it has been is strong enough to uplift and remove systemic inequality. I, I don't know if that's stupidity, privilege, obliviousness. I don't really understand it. I well, I mean, know. if you just take it like at base level, this isn't the book for him. And no. so we are going to continue to submit to other folks. So that's, I mean, that is, that's the black and white of it. But the reason why we wanted to talk about it was because it's self-doubt. And it's Well, because it sent us into a spiral. Yeah. I mean, my initial thought was like, oh my God, he's, he's totally right. Like we missed our window. Yeah. We, we, we missed it. Like we wrote this book, we're doing this podcast and it's all changing. (laughs) And then I was like, fuck, no, it's not. No, the, the base problems don't change. They don't change because systemic change hasn't happened. How your workplace looks, whether you're working from home, you can still be, and you probably are sound. Look, I've got a, I've got a coworker who has not been put back on full pay, even though everybody has. What? Thank God she's leaving the company because it's made me furious every day of the week. And when she has gone back and asked for her pay to be reinstated, they have said, you were getting paid too much anyway. <gasps> yeah. You I were getting paid that more than thought... all the other men. And now you're back with everybody else. But I know that shit's not true. And she no, knows wait. that shit's not true. I thought you guys had better protection over stuff like that than we did here in the States. No, not now, because the COVID thing has just sent everything up in the air. So if people say, like, look, we, because they made us all sign these things that when we came back, we had to come back at 15% less of our salary, but they did 20% to her. And then when she came back after three months, she didn't go back. They've just kept her at 20% less. And so now she just got a job at another place where they're going to pay her more Good. than what they were paying her here. And they're going to look at her salary in six months time or a year's time, whatever it is. And she deserves every penny because she's the best at her job that I've ever worked with. Good and I've worked her. in this industry for so long. Good for her. She's amazing. Well, that's such bullshit. And I'm so mad. But also like... 
And she's too nice, and she's beautiful. So she's just a threat in every possible way, and people take advantage of her because she's too nice. Sorry, Diana. You know you are. Anyway. No. So, and there's all these articles that are coming out now that, like, how moms are being hit so hard by the pandemic and how women are disproportionately. So we keep saying this. We've been harping on this, and now all of a sudden the articles are coming out. So I had an opportunity for a job that was, like, a short eight- to ten-week assignment. The pay was insane. And I applied for it. I heard back from them within like an hour and a half and was set up for an interview like the next day. And then my second interview was going to be two days later. And I went into this crazy mental spiral about like, okay, how am I going to keep my daughter in school? Where are the kids going to go for childcare? There are no nannies. How am I going to like, and and so I started going through all of this and then our numbers are kind of not great here in Charlotte. So different things are kind of closing down. And like, I was feeling more fenced in, more fenced in, more fenced in. And I had this list and I was going to sit down and start calling daycare centers. And then I was like, like, why? Why? <laughs> why am I going to do this to myself? Yeah, it's great money, but I can't. I cannot add this to my mental load. Mm-mm. I cannot do it. But then, as I'm seeing these articles, and as this, we got this rejection from this the book. Like, if my husband found a job opportunity that was so amazing, that's it. He would go. He would take the interviews. He would plod through that process and start the job. Now, I have a great partner. I have a wonderful partner who, for the most part, it's 50-50 on stuff. And if I really, really want to do this, he would help me figure it out. But like, I can't imagine having a partner who is less helpful than mine and dealing with this. But also, like, as a woman, like, why? Things are not going to go back to normal anytime soon for women. Nope. I I can't even have a second interview on a job because it's too much. And I'm very privileged. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane for the thought to be, well, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens, all you heavy laden women who are unequally yoked with your mental load. Yes. That's me. That's me adding some of my scriptural knowledge Which is, to help yeah. people that were triggered by the last episode. Who was Anyone, triggered? Did you get comments? I didn't see anything. I think Deleted that though. the misogynistic Bible study girl in me was triggered by it. Because I do not want us to be misunderstood. I do not want people to have a knee-jerk reaction because they had some religious upbringing that would cause them to shut down to what we're trying to say. Oh, honey, we both had religious upbringings. But I just want to, I just want, if you've had that, then you have even more that you're going to have to work through. So I just want to make sure that we are acknowledging. Anyway, so I just, we just had a situation where we were kind of faced with the gaslighting that we talk about every week and we bought into it for a little bit. And it sent us on the spiral. And we just wanted to share that with you because yeah. we know that all of you are facing it in some form or fashion and you are not alone. Yeah. And it's just for me that self-doubt of I'm I'm a fairly quiet, sort of introspective, introverted kind of a person. And yeah. I take people's comments very seriously because I care about the people that are around me. And I care about people's opinion in a way in that I respect other people's intelligence and I respect it when someone gives us the time to look at what we've done, what we've created and and passes effectively passes judgment on it. But I was really amazed at how many things it brought up about myself and my self-worth mm. and mm-hmm. how much I doubt what we've written is good even though I know intrinsically that what we've written is good and is powerful and is relevant no matter when it's published. And I just wanted to say 
that if you are in a situation where someone is telling you that what you've done isn't enough or what you've done isn't the right quality or what you've done doesn't suit or isn't, it's not you, it's for that person, it's not right for them. Okay, fine. Let's find someone that it is right for because there absolutely will be someone who you'll connect with. And I think we have this idea of it has to be right for everybody and it absolutely won't be. And that for me was a really big, um, that was a really big lesson that I had to teach myself and really internalize. And I just have one more thing I want to say, which is one of our lovely listeners, also my good friend Kate, gave us a great story, which is an uplifting one, which I think would be good to end on, Jenny. So she works for a pharmaceutical company, Japanese pharmaceutical company, and the office split is about 75% male. That's, That's the office in Japan. But the UK and US offices are very mixed at all levels, and that's in all departments. So you, that's sex and race, she's saying. So the head of her department is a woman of Indian descent, and she's always been really supportive of Kate. She's always, she's never let them lack promotions or pay rises, and she's always pushing for more for the team and for Kate as well. And Kate's worked there for 15 years, and things have been amazing, like really flexible for people who are parents. And this woman, this head of the department, has what the way Kate put it was, she thanks the women who came before her because They've ensured that in that company, women are fairly represented and there's an appropriate, Hmm. a a nearly equal mix of sexes and races in every department, which is a really amazing thing. So it can be done. You can achieve that. Okay, so I just wanted to share that. It's a lovely, uplifting story and nice to end on a positive note instead of... Very wonderful. Thank you so much, Kate. Kate and Diane have been such incredible supports to us. Love that. Little ditty about Kate and Diane. Diana. (laughs) Stop calling her Diane. <laughs> Diane. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I know it's a short one this week. It's it's just what it is. But I just want to say we appreciate you listening so much. We've had a spike in downloads and it the we are so blown away by the support we've received. Please keep please keep the you know the comments on our Instagram. That's uh Dear Patriarchy Pod on, on Facebook, uh patriarchy underscore underscore pod at Twitter. Um, patriarchypod at gmail.com please keep the stories coming Kate thanks so much for being our first also if you are listening on Apple Podcasts please leave us a review and um, rate us and subscribe yeah so thank you so 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 very much and we look forward to continuing this on in the new year and maybe we'll have good news relatively soon about the book so anyway we appreciate you all so, and I, I do love you guys and really thank oh. you for listening. I know. See, it's happening. <laughs> okay. It's happening now. Let's go. So well, love light and have night. a good night. Okay. Good night.